0: I'm a man. I'm 40. It's all you boys. They my brothers. They my friends. Yeah. I at Coach Sumlin. Yo. I at the stoop. The entire first half, we got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money and all we wanted to do was have pouty expressions on our face. We're
1: back. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Round the 12 podcast. My name is Tanner Price and I'm well, I'm not here with my co-host Greg Hockert. Uh we're we're doing this this podcast from distance. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing good. I apologize if uh if
0: the audio doesn't come across the same. Hopefully, we'll see how the uh see how the AirPods do um, over Zoom. This is a more or less a trial run. Um
1: being that uh, Tanner, you're in Colorado. How's it been? It's it's good. We got a lot of snow. Uh actually it's actually pretty icy cuz once the once people start driving on the snow, then the roads get pretty icy. But, I mean, other than that, you know, doing, doing pretty well. Staying warm. Can't say the same for Oklahoma. Beautiful <laughs> right now. So, no, uh, no, no more snow here. That's all right. That's all right. I enjoy the snow. But, uh, yeah, man. So, it's been, honestly, it's been a hectic week. We've had a lot from the football perspective with the CFP, TCU making it, um, some signings in the transfer portal, some depart, some major departures in the transfer portal, but also we have Big 12 conference play in basketball starting last week, so we'll give you guys an update on that. Uh, Yeah, we got we got a lot going on. So, Greg, you want to get us started here?
0: Yeah, so we can we can dive into the transfer portal a little bit if you want. Um, yeah, I think I should acknowledge that. Um, So I don't I don't remember. I think both of us said this last week, but so, but we both slightly misspoke in that I think we mentioned that this was a dead period for the transfer portal. We were slightly wrong about that. This has been very confusing given that this is like the first year that the transfer portal is as big as it is. Um, So technically the transfer portal is still open and I believe it is open until sometime in mid January. I forget the exact date. Um, It is a dead period, however, for high school recruiting. So that's the biggest difference. Um, Transfer portal though, still in full swing guys can enter they can commit. They can sign. Um, and we saw a few of those um, this past week. Um, so we'll start to so Baylor. Uh, Baylor had a four-star defensive back into the portal. I believe that's their – um well, it's not the first uh, defensive back from Baylor to enter the portal. So probably look for them to um, look to replace talent there. Um, Kansas has a uh, backup running back into the portal. Um, And then Kansas state has a defensive lineman into the portal. Um, So those are, uh, those are three. And then Tanner, do you want to talk about the uh, the two Oklahoma schools?
1: Yes. So Oklahoma has uh, Josh Ellison into the portals. He's a defensive tackle. So I don't know. There's been some rumors going around. Some people want him at Oklahoma state, but if I coming from Oklahoma, I would have to imagine he's probably looking somewhere like, like an sec or a big 10 where their defenses might be a little more stout. But we'll have to see what happens there. And then Oklahoma State has had a haul in this last week. Uh, Oklahoma State has had three starting – well, at some point in the season, three starting wide receivers enter the portal. So, John Paul Richardson, Bryson Green, and Stephon Johnson Jr. And then OSU also had Samuela – Tui Halamaka, he is a hey, defensive tackle. I got it right. Pronunci- I was good pronunciation. <laughs> I was practicing all week to get that one right. But <laughs> um so yeah, Greg. What what in the world is going on in Stillwater? I know we're both we're both Oklahoma State fans, but honestly, this is probably the biggest news in the Big 12 on the football side this week. So by, what do you, by what's far, going on? Um by far, at least in the transfer portal
0: realm, this is by far the biggest news. Um I think Oklahoma State now leads um, all schools in the Big 12 in terms of uh, pure departures, just uh, number-wise. And, yeah, had an alarming number of receivers enter the portal this week. You know, we're anti-speculation on this podcast, and let me tell you, there have been rumors around Stillwater like nothing you've ever seen. Um, And so I don't want to get into many of those, um, but just based on – Facts and, and objectively speaking, clearly there are issues in the offensive, uh, the offensive coaching room at Oklahoma State. Um, they've had a lot of offensive players into the portal, um, going back to a few weeks ago. I mean, starting quarterback and Spencer Sanders, starting running back and Dominic Richardson, who's not going to be at Baylor. They've had a total of five receivers now after this week into the portal, um, three of which. Um, were starters that uh, Tanner just mentioned. Um, And then uh, they just had another receiver also declare for the draft. So uh, mass departures uh, coming out of uh, the offensive uh, room at at OSU. And, uh, you know, I don't have the answers. I don't think Oklahoma State has the answers either, Tanner. Otherwise, this might not have happened. But um, clearly something's going on. um, And yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to assume uh, anything, but uh, I will say that I'm fairly confident there will be coaching changes made uh, at some point in the very
1: near future. Yeah. And honestly, I don't, I don't really see that as speculation. I think that Oklahoma state at the beginning of the year, excuse me, at the beginning of the year, the offense was, was humming pretty well. They were six and zero going into TCU played TCU to a double overtime loss. But I mean, after that, after that week against TCU, the the offense took a sharp turn down in their production, and yeah, you'd have to imagine that there's going to be some some coaching changes. It might not necessarily be Casey Dunn at the offensive coordinator, but I I would have to imagine that there's going to be something that happens. Um, we'll and definitely yes. be
0: keeping our eye on that, and like you said, Tanner. Just to reiterate, I, I just wanted to mention this. So yeah, so Oklahoma State started off six and one. Um, Beating teams like Baylor, Texas, um, nearly beat uh, TCU, and and then, like you said, took a sharp turn down and and ended up at um, ended up at six and seven. Here's the thing, though, they didn't score twenty points in a game since the, their homecoming win against Texas, which was I believe mid October. Um, yeah, yeah. So so just looking at it from a pure numbers standpoint. Um, now, of course, we have to mention they had a lot of injuries. Uh, Sanders was either hurt or playing hurt the rest of the year. However, not scoring 20 points in a single game, um, that that's not good. And now you're seeing a lot of these guys um, jump in the portal. And uh, who knows? Um, everyone that has entered the portal that hasn't signed still has the opportunity to come back, assuming that their original school uh has a scholarship available for them. But uh, not a good sign, not a good look for Oklahoma State.
1: Right, right. And then to finish out the Big 12, Texas has had a three-star edge rusher enter the portal, and West Virginia has also had a three-star linebacker enter the portal. So at this point, almost every team, well, definitely every team has a handful of guys in the portal. You're starting to see some more after we've gotten through the bowl games. But yeah, Oklahoma State took a big hit this last week with four players entering the portal. Um, so that's the yeah, bad I think news. For, I think for most teams, it's starting to wind down. Um, right. Unless you're OSU. <laughs> right. <laughs> so everybody that is the bad news, Greg, let's, let's, let's move on to the good news. What do you, what I like we good got? news a lot better.
0: I like good news so much better. So, uh, again, we'll start off alphabetically with Baylor. So they signed, um, Jack stone kicker from, uh, Michigan state. Um, and then go down, going down the list. OU uh, signs a guard. From Maryland. So again, just trying to uh, shore up that offensive line. Um, Oklahoma State. They did have like the departures we just mentioned. Um, however, they did uh, get two commits this week. One um, defensive tackle um, from Utah Tech, out of all places, and then a uh, three-star tight end and Josiah Johnson from UMass, um, who is, I believe, a super senior. Um, yes. So. Not quite replacing the production that they lost, but still at least getting some um, some depth and some uh, um, getting some of their needs um, uh, taken care of through uh, through the portal. Right, and I think, and then probably sorry, Tanner. Probably the biggest signing, um, and we were just going alphabetically, but by far the biggest signing uh, is uh, TCU signs Trey Sanders, who uh, is listed as a three-star running back from Alabama. However, I believe four or five star recruit coming out of high school. So TCU, again, I think we've said this every week. Uh, in the last three or four weeks, TCU is capitalizing off of this incredible season and this uh, playoff um, appearance—not not just appearance, but playoff win now. So
1: right, and it's it's really interesting. So all five of TCU's signings in the transfer portal have been from the SEC. Three of those signings have been from Alabama itself. So that's that's good to see. Uh, You're telling TCU? me they want to go play for a, um, a playoff contender? I I think so. I think that's what it is. Mm. Um, but what I was going to mention about Oklahoma State is the, the signing of Josiah Johnson from UMass. That one's kind of interesting because he is more of a traditional pass-catching, run-blocking tight end, whereas previously Oklahoma State has focused more so on – at that position, more so of just a guy who can go out there and make some grabs – uh, I think Josiah Johnson will be able to come in and start on as a tight end or Oklahoma State calls it their cowboy back. So he'll be able to come in and definitely help with the run game that we saw Oklahoma State struggle with basically this entire year.
0: Yeah. And I think I think to your point, this is a different sort of tight end. This is the more traditional tight end in Oklahoma State. Yeah, they've either had guys in the past that are pretty much straight up half catchers so receivers converted to tight ends that are a little little bit of a bigger wide receiver or they've had um your fullback type converted to tight end so guys that uh, guys that can really get down um in the trenches and block and um, but might not necessarily be the threat in the passing game and so they get a guy that can do a little bit of both um and so again kind of to what i said earlier possibly some scheme changes possibly some coaching changes if um if you're getting a different sort of um a different sort of tight end. He um, I don't see him fitting in, in the offense. Oklahoma state has been running. Uh, So possibly look there for um, uh, another sign that Oklahoma state might be making changes.
1: Exactly. Yep. And so we also have had some people declare for the draft. We've had some people say that they're returning to their respective schools. So we have Dylan Gabriel returning to OU next year as their quarterback so he played he played pretty well throughout the year. I wouldn't say it was anything like a Baker or Kyler type of player this last year, but he did he played well when they needed him to play well. And so that was that's that's good to see from OU. They also have their their incoming recruit uh, Greg. What's his name? I'm sorry, I forgot.
0: Jack, Jackson Arnold, uh, finalist right. for Gatorade Player of the Year, five star everything. Yeah, it'll be um, probably really good for him to get um for him to get one season uh, as a as a backup possibly even take a red shirt um but yeah just kind of a really ideal situation I think you probably tell the kid hey one year you're the starter but just learn everything you can from Dylan Gabriel who like you said Tanner he might not be Baker Mayfield but he played really well at times this year and
1: is very experienced so um I'm sure he'll have a lot to a lot to teach um uh, Arnold right And Jason Bean from Kansas also returning next year. Um, So currently I just looked it up. Jalen Daniels is a junior and I don't know if we've heard about anything from him, whether he's returning or going to the NFL, but Jason Bean will at least be back. He, he, he's backed up Jalen Daniels. He, he backed him up this year and last year, the 2021, 2022 season, he played quite a bit. So that will be good to see for Texas. He's he's a consistent quarterback. He he has really good uh running game. His his arm is can be questionable at times, but he's a very competent uh backup and a pretty good starter as well.
0: And a and a good receiver, um, which is pretty <laughs> interesting that he uh is able to just slide in their receiver uh, when um Jalen Daniels uh returned to full health. So uh really good for uh for Kansas and uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about Jalen Daniels. I would assume just uh, um, I I would think I would think he comes back, but uh, again, not nothing, nothing confirmed there. But I also haven't seen anything about him potentially
1: entering the draft. So right. And then finally from Texas, Jordan Whittington, wide receiver. What'd you say, Greg? He only has he only had one touchdown this last year, but he had over 600 yards of receiving. So that's that's a good sign for Texas for sure.
0: Yeah, returning production there. and um, uh, Yeah, I believe uh, Xavier Worthy did declare for the draft. So, again, you, uh, you at least Texas has some returning production there at receiver coming back. Uh, obviously, they're losing a lot of skill talent um, between the running back and uh, receiver positions. So, uh, good that Jordan Winnington will be coming back for them.
1: Yeah, definitely. And okay so that that covers all the returners. Uh Marvin Mims also mentionable, he declared for the draft yesterday from OU wide receiver so they 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 might be struggling next year at the wide wide receiver position. Um but honestly OU they're always they always have great depth so that's, I just felt like that was something that we should mention was Marvin Mims declaring for yeah, the draft. They've
0: also been they've also been offering a, a handful of guys in the portal, so probably expect them to get some more commits here in the next few weeks at that position as well.
1: Right. Um, so moving on from all the kind of sad news from the departures, the good news from the signings, Greg. Let's let's talk about some games here. What do you say?
0: Well, I'm excited to talk about our uh, Big Twelve bowl records.
1: Oh man. Okay. Well, okay, I mean, <laughs> well, so we ended up going, Greg was six and two. I went five and three. Um, the one game that separated the both of us was Alabama, Kansas state. Um, I really, really wished that K state could have pulled it out, but of course, Alabama, I, I don't know, Greg, what, what do you think? I thought that Alabama basically had to go out and play a statement game. They played Bryce young, Will Anderson Jr. also played on the defensive side. It's it's really hard for basically anyone in the country to beat Alabama when they're playing their best game. Honestly, honestly, when they're when they're going out to prove something. Yeah, I agree with you. I
0: think when this bowl game was first announced, there was a lot of doubt that Alabama would have um, everyone available. I think most people assumed. Bryce Young, Will Anderson, some of those guys that will be drafted pretty high in April, uh would sit out being like, It's Alabama. We're not playing in a playoff game. It doesn't mean anything. Well, uh when I when I first saw that bull game announcement, you know, more so for the Big Twelve and for Kansas State, I, kinda, I was kinda like, Man, hopefully hopefully Bryce Young decides to sit out. It'll help Kansas State out a little bit. Um unfortunately, uh he didn't and uh, when when they did announce that all those guys were going to be playing, I just you know Kansas State has had an incredible year. They've had a great run. Um, obviously, the Big Twelve champion, and I just that was just going to be a little bit too much to overcome, and um, that that was kind of my thought going into it. Is I think I would have had a different pick had a few of those guys from Alabama been uh, sitting out. So
1: yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, honestly, so Deuce Vaughn had a had a pretty good day. He ended up rushing for around 130 yards, um, but he had one really great long touchdown, 88 yards. But if you take that out, uh, if you take that out of his rushing totals, he rushed 21 times for 45 yards. So that really shows you how stout Alabama's defense is. I mean, Deuce basically torched almost every defense in the Big 12. And then you see something like that and you're like, okay, that really shows you how good Alabama's defense is. Yeah. And then, and no, you go, Greg.
0: Yeah. So, I, I, again, I, I, I can't, I can't disagree with you on that. It's, um, it is tough, especially again, like I said, when Alabama's at full strength. Um, when you're playing that one of those top, you know, teams in the SEC, I think, uh, Texas Tech obviously proved, you know, you take a, a more middle-tiered team from the SEC, a middle-tiered team from the Big 12, and, and you match them up and you get a really even and good matchup. And Tech, Tech was able to um, beat Ole Miss. We obviously saw the same thing with Kansas and Arkansas. However, Arkansas was able to come out on top. So I think when you um, get from the middle down, it's very, very even. Uh, but then when you look at Alabama and then potentially, we'll get to this later, uh, Georgia going up against some of the top teams in the Big 12. And, not just the big 12, but from around the country as well. Um, it does get very difficult just based on the pure number of, um, just, just the pure talent, pure depth. Uh, I saw something earlier this week where it's like comparing the amount of five and four star recruits Georgia has to TCU. And it's like two from TCU compared to, I think everyone and their, and their backup on Georgia is at least a four star. So, um, to, to to the point that we were talking about, I think it was going to be difficult for Kansas State going into this game. They started off really well, like you said, with that deep run, but then after that, it, it went all downhill, and um, Bryce Young played absolutely phenomenal.
1: Yeah, he had 321 yards passing for five touchdowns. I mean, it's just, it's really hard to do anything on offense when when the Alabama defense was basically as advertised and Bryce Young is... On the other side doing his thing. It's it's difficult to win that game. But yeah, Alabama wins 45 to 20. Um tough game, tough game. But Greg, we had some really, really, really great news. After Yeah,
0: I don't know. I don't know why we <laughs> saved this for last because this is what I wanted to talk about. Um, this just
1: this, off the jump. This TCU Michigan game, I mean, it was everything that Greg and I wanted. It was also everything that Greg and I predicted. It um... that's true.
0: Hey, I think I think we both have to give each other some props for these bull picks. I mean, five and three and six and two is how crazy this bull season has been. Is I would say pretty solid. And then you take into account all of our picks. Besides, I think maybe two games were different. That's that's pretty that's pretty wild. I I totally envision one of us going like a two and six or something like that. This bull
1: right. season. So right. But Yeah, but yeah so, we
0: nailed we nailed this TCU game right on the head.
1: Go yeah, ahead. TCU pulls off the upset, 51-45. Um, at the beginning of the game, I I honestly thought TCU was just going to blow Michigan out of the water. TCU jumped out to a 21-6 lead. Um, J.J. McCarthy threw, I think on the day, threw two interceptions that went back for touchdowns. So that's two pick sixes right there. It's 14 points. Um, Michigan fought back, so they were down 21-6 going into half. They fought back, but... It wasn't enough. You, When you're trying to beat a Big 12 team at its own game, I – outside honestly, outside of the, the Kansas State-Alabama game, when you try to beat the Big 12 at its own game, it's probably not going to work. Uh, TCU could put up a lot of points, as we saw. And, yeah, I mean, Max Duggan played pretty well, but Amari DiMercato coming in for Kendry Miller after he got hurt in the first quarter – Amari Di Merc- whoa De Mercado still put up 150 yards uh rushing. That that's just really good to see for TCU. Their offense was humming no matter no matter who was in, who was hurt. It's it's a good thing to see.
0: Yeah, I um yeah, I totally agree with that. And and like you said, it's how many games has TCU ended up in this year where it's been not not necessarily with the score up in up in the 40s or 50s but it's been down to the wire last two minutes of the game you need that first down you need that field goal whatever it may be I mean they've been in so many close games so many I mean you can call them shootout so to speak um, if you want but just so many close games and then you look at Michigan's schedule and they just run through everyone on their schedule give or take you know one or two games where they either um, fell asleep in the first half and then had to come back in the second half and, and pull it out. Or uh, And then you look at the Ohio State game they played, and obviously uh, absolutely incredible to go on the road and, and beat Ohio State uh, at their home stadium, but that was not a close game either. And so you just think about, like you said, it's hard to beat the Big 12 at its own game. Well, what is the Big 12 known for? It's like obviously offense around the country, but us as Big 12 fans, we know the Big 12 is, you know, week in week out. You're going to get a tough game, and there are going to be at least three to five games in your conference, uh, in your on your conference schedule that that are going to come down to the fourth quarter. And so TCU, I just think, again, like so many of the games this year, came down to the wire, and they just proved again. Um, I think at a certain point, about halfway through the year. Some of us, including myself, were like, oh, their luck, their luck's going to run out eventually. You can't win every game like that. That gets close. And of course, they dropped the one to Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game. Um, but when you win that many games in the fourth quarter, it's not luck. Like that, that's it comes down to, to discipline, experience at quarterback, leadership, um, and, and ultimately just uh, coaching and, and TCU. Uh, did did an incredible job this game of, um, you know, obviously like you said they jumped out to that initial twenty one to six lead, um, but then um, they were able to jump back on top when when Michigan did push back. So uh, I did want to ask you about this Tanner. What did you think about the what did you think about the reversed touchdown call in the I believe it was either the end of the first or beginning of the second quarter um, where the Michigan receiver caught the ball on the half yard line goal line and was landed on his uh landed on his back or on his butt and they reversed that call, put it on the half yard line and then Michigan fumbled and TCU recovered. What did you think about the back?
1: I I thought it was honestly I thought it was a tough call. Um if you're a TCU fan, you're really excited. If you're a Michigan fan, you're really upset. Um I think both sides have fair emotions in that um, but ultimately, it's not about where the player lands. It's where the ball is when the player lands. And it looked like the ball was s- just slightly short, even though even though his butt did come down in the end zone. The ball was on his front side and his backside landed in the end zone. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's bang, bang. Uh, they called a touchdown on the field. And I know for a fact that the referees are not going to flip the call. Unless they have indisputable evidence, and I I don't trust the refs all the time, but I do think that even though it was super close, uh, big time game, I think they got it right. What do you think, Greg?
0: I think they got it right too. I just again, it's um, it's one of those things where because that flip, I mean, that's a I don't I don't remember. I, I think TCU did go down and score on that. Um, after they recovered the fumble, but but regardless, that's a, um, that, that, that was a touchdown right there that Michigan had, regardless of the call on the field. So you have first and goal on the half yard line. How many times does that result in zero points? And that's not on the ref. That's on Michigan. Uh, right. so that's kind of my thought is, is just like, you know, I, I can see a Michigan fans argument for that being a touchdown, or at least say not enough indisputable evidence keep the call as as it was on the field i can see that argument um however what i think is inexcusable is michigan lining up on the half yard line on first and goal and i believe it was uh, um, the uh, j.j mccarthy and the running back weren't able to properly execute the handoff (laughs) and it ended up as a fumble and TCU recovered and so uh, again just um that's how you win football games tcu wins the turnover battle and uh yeah I Again, I, I think that's more of a credit to TCU than um than necessarily the ref taking anything away from Michigan.
1: Yep. I I can't agree more. Um okay, Greg. We talked about the semifinal game. I believe it is now time to talk about the college football championship game. TCU Georgia. Georgia's currently a twelve and a half point favorite. I mean, that's that's a lot of points. What do you what do you think about this game, Greg?
0: Yeah, it's really tough. Um, I think, like we said when we talked about the Alabama and Kansas State game, it's super difficult to go up against the top two teams in the SEC, so Georgia and Alabama, when they are at full strength. Um, However, Ohio State showed that it can be done. Uh, Now they uh, they blew their second half lead. Georgia was able to come back and win. Um, and even with that, Ohio State still had a chance. So I think I think while on paper, this is an insanely tough matchup. You're talking about the defending national champions undefeated. Um, they have shown at times some shortcomings this year that TCU can potentially expose. And I think namely in that semifinal game against Ohio State, um, there were a few shortcomings. Um, and, and we can get to those. But the 12-and-a-half-point line, I think, makes sense. Um, I think nationally, finally, people started to wake up a little bit after watching TCU uh, beat Michigan because that line was also, it wasn't quite as high as 12 and a half, but that was, I think, a seven and a half point to eight yes. point line yes, it in was favor of Michigan. And, um, and I was so excited when I saw that come out because I was, you know, I was all over TCU from the beginning, not just to cover the spread, but to win the game. Um, but I believe it is I believe it does get a little bit different when you're talking about Georgia. So just to, just to talk a little bit about, and Tanner, we can go back and forth on this, but just some of the ways, not that, um, not that TCU should be listening to you or I, but some of the ways that TCU might be able to expose Georgia. Do you want to, do you want to hop into that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So, (laughs) well, the way obviously kind of like what you mentioned, the way that they can expose Georgia is through the air. I mean, I think that TCU's ground game is probably gonna struggle, just being completely honest. But and that I'm gonna caveat or couch that with um if they try to run inside zone all game long, which I don't think they'll do. I think Sonny Ducks is smart enough. I think uh gosh, what's uh Lincoln Riley's brother's name? Oh gosh, there. Well, anyways I don't remember
0: his first name? Little, yes, little brother Riley. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, um, I think that they will be able Garrett, to scheme up Garrett Riley. Garrett Riley. There we go. I think they'll be able to scheme up uh some some runs, some quarterback runs, because let's not forget Max Duggan can use his legs and he has shown that he is willing to use his legs when they need him to. So I think that they'll they might get a little tricky, hopefully not too cute, but I think that they will get tricky in some of their their run game calls. Uh I they're probably also going to do a lot with Quentin Johnston. Um although George is probably going to do whatever they can to cover him. But we'll have to see what happens. I really think that uh TCU can expose George's DBs in this game. I think that Max Duggan is gonna have a day. And yeah, what do you what do you got, Greg?
0: I agree with you in the in the sense that if TCU is going to win this game or be in it in the fourth quarter, Max Duggan will have to have a day. Um now I'm not going to don't, don't misinterpret this is I think Max Duggan is is uh the same type of quarterback or at the same level as, as CJ Stroud. However, I do want to mention C.J. Stroud had an incredible game uh, the other night against Georgia through the air and honestly on the ground, too, which he is not known as uh, the runner that Max Duggan is. So I think that you have opportunities. There were a lot of holes in Georgia's secondary. Um, Ohio State has some very talented receivers, but I would put TCUs up against anyone in the country, especially with Quentin Johnson. So I think that TCU – if they're going to beat Georgia, it will be through the air with the combination of Max Duggan running. Uh, Ohio State only ran the ball for 3.7 yards a carry against Georgia, um, and they barely even tried to. So I don't know if that was by design, if that um, if that was a feeling out process as the game started, uh, but only running for 3.7 yards a carry, um, and I believe they did that on uh, 18 carries uh, amongst just the running backs, so but C.J. Stroud took off and, and scrambled uh, and, and actually had some really nice uh, runs, especially on those uh, final two drives. However, um, the running backs for Ohio State really struggled. And then when you get into the fact, I don't believe that uh, Keandre Miller's status has been confirmed for this game, whether he'll be playing or whether he'll be out. Um, but if you're, you know, like you said, De Mercado came in and, and ran the ball very well against Michigan. Um, but it's, it's going to be tough to replace Ke'Andre Miller and that experience and talent, um, especially in a game of this magnitude. So I think TCU will struggle to run the ball. Um, I think Max Duggan will have to get out of the pocket. Um, it's just a matter of honestly uh, just making a couple of plays, and uh, and then I think starting off, starting off the first quarter, what I would really like to see is TCU score first um because i think that just sets the tone i think if i think that if georgia gets the ball first goes down the field scores a touchdown and then tcu goes three and out i i think tcu could be in trouble Uh, and i'm not saying they can't fight back but i i think that a a a strong start is vital to uh, tcu being in this game
1: i i couldn't i couldn't have said it better myself greg i think if you're tcu you see the ohio state game and you're like okay we gotta go down and score. We our defense has to put together some stops, and we're in the game. We're probably leading the game if that happens. But yeah, I think I think TCU has a shot. I'm not gonna say it's it's as good of a shot as they had against Michigan, but the blueprint is out um on Georgia. Just gotta get up on them and then you gotta hold them down. That's that's ultimately what it comes down to.
0: I also think to that. Stetson Dennett is a solid quarterback and he made some incredible throws in the semifinal game, but he also threw, I, I, I can't even remember, but he threw, I, I had at least three or four throws that should have been picked off that either were dropped by the Ohio state defense just slightly over the defensive back's head. I mean, TCU picked off JJ McCarthy, I believe was it, Twice, three it,
1: times. It was twice, they, and
0: both of those are pick sixes as well. So I'm not saying that um, they need to be pick sixes, but I think that um, possibly if they can get some pressure on Stephen Bennett, um, who's not necessarily known as a scrambler either. You might be able to force them into making a few poor throws, and I think that's one way that the TCU defense can um, can come up big in this game is, is again by just forcing turnovers
1: and, and winning that turnover battle. Yep. Again, couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, so, Greg, who do you got? I think it's time we make our picks. Oh, man. You know, this
0: – I I want to pick this one with my heart, and I want to pick TCU. And, and, again, I will be cheering for TCU. This would be incredible for the Big 12. I think if TCU can win this game, um, I think it shows the entire country – that the Big 12 is for real. Now, I think that they've already shown that by beating Michigan. Um, But I think that Georgia is right now, they're, you know, no pun intended, but they're the top dog in college football. The reigning national champions, undefeated this year, seemingly unbeatable. If Max Duggan and TCU can go in and win this game, it would be one of the biggest upsets, I think, in – college football playoff history but also just like in national championship history in terms of college football like i can't think of the last time a, a championship game the line was as high as 12 and a half so um and again we haven't seen a big 12 team in the national championship in so long at least especially we haven't seen them in the college football playoff era so again with all that being said i would be cheering so hard for tcu and i think they put up a good fight I think they'll come up slightly short, though. So I I have Georgia in this game. What about you, Tanner?
1: Well, I have two two reasons. I'm going to pick the team. I'm going to pick one. I'm trying to get back to even with you uh, <laughs> <laughs> in our in our bowl picks, but also I've been riding the wave. I I I'm full hypno toad this weekend and into Monday. I I I gotta go with TCU. We've been We've been basically cheering them on since we started the pod. Um yeah, that's I know it's gonna be difficult. I know it doesn't look good. I know Georgia's a twelve and a half point favorite. All those things added up. I still have to go with TCU. I <laughs> I know it's kind of a wild pick. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it. I have to at this point. So
0: Well, being that we're a big twelve podcast, it's not that wild of a pick. I think one of us had to take TCU, but yeah. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Uh I'll be cheerful for TCU, like I said. And I, I, I do think that they have a chance. Everything we mentioned earlier. I don't um I'm not I'm not taking that back by picking Georgia. I still think that's what we mentioned is is the kind of the blueprint. Um, at least uh from from a, you know, twenty thousand foot perspective of, of how you take down Georgia, now the X's and O's. Uh, I, I I cannot get into that, but I think that from um, from a far out perspective, what we said is, is how Georgia or how TCU will be able to be, be able to beat Georgia. Um, I'm not necessarily going back on that by picking Georgia. I just don't think that TCU will be able to do all the things that we talked about.
1: Yep. Yep. I agree. Well, Greg, that is our everything on football in the last week. We got, there's a lot going on in football, but there's also a lot going on in the big 12 basketball wise. Uh, I just want to start off by saying that Chris Beard has been let go by Texas uh, amid domestic family violence charges. Uh, it's nothing you like to see. You you hate to hear about it for the family involved. Um, it's just, it's pretty sad what's, what's going on, um, but you hope things can get resolved, um, that everything is good within the family. Uh, but, yeah, I felt like we, we needed to mention that at the top.
0: Yeah, um, obviously really sad um, ever since that came out. And, and and that did come out, I believe, about a month ago. So Chris Beer hasn't been with the team for the last month um, amidst uh, the charges. Um, and now, of course, he was let go. So we didn't really want to touch on it until anything was official. Uh, but just, yeah, tough for um, first off, you have to think for the family um, and, and hope that everything, like you said, Tanner gets resolved there, but um, shifting it over to uh, his career and, and then from a basketball perspective, obviously tough for the program um, at Texas, the, the top 10 program at that um, that will be competing for um, both the conference and potentially national title this year. Uh, will be tough to do it um, without their uh, without their head guy. Um, but again, I think um uh, I don't think that that takes away from uh, the talent they have on the court.
1: I, I I still think they'll be they'll be okay, yeah, yep, I agree with you. I mean, they're currently ranked number six, and we'll we'll, we'll get to the games here in a minute, but yeah, it'll be it'll be tough for them, but i think I think they can do it. Um, so we're gonna do some some of the big twelve basketball scoreboard. there's. <laughs> like we like we've mentioned previously there's a lot of games so we're probably going to run through this fairly quick uh but we will try to expand upon some of our picks coming up for games today Saturday January 7th and then this upcoming week but uh so to start off last Saturday that would that was whoa that was December 31st um last Saturday Kansas beats Oklahoma State by 2 um that's if you're a Kansas fan, that's that's good to see if you're just looking at the the final score. Uh but as an Oklahoma State fan, or well just if you're an Oklahoma State fan, you hate to see it because Oklahoma State went into Fog Allen and had a fifteen point lead at half. So that's I can now probably count on a on my hand the number of times that Oklahoma State has given up a double digit lead at halftime.
0: Yeah, and it was Kansas made an incredible run in the second half. And, of course, the um, the arena got behind them. And, it, and it's really difficult uh, to slow down a run like that when you are playing in Fog Allen. Um, but Oklahoma State was still, you know, Kansas came back, I believe tied the game still with eight or nine minutes left uh, to go and and even took the lead. Oklahoma State was still able to hang in there for the last uh, seven to eight minutes and uh, had a chance to win it at the end. Uh, controversial no call. Uh, as Bryce Thompson goes up for uh, the layup, a really incredible um, out of bounds baseline play drawn up by Mike Boynton. And uh, the Kansas player went across the body of Bryce Thompson to block the shot. Um, refs are honestly pretty notorious for trying as hard as they can to not make a call at the end of the game, which I like personally because I, I'm one that is never, I, I never liked the game to be decided by. Um, by a, a, a you know an iffy call uh, that the ref makes at the end but uh in this case most most of the country most of the national college of basketball writers that i saw um that were tweeting or talking about this video pretty much everyone said that yeah that was a foul oklahoma state should I have two free throws at the end so um tough tough no call for osu however you do like to see um That team, especially being that um, they didn't have the best non-conference or the the best start to the season in the non-conference, you you, you like to see them um, putting up uh, as as much of a fight as they did uh, at Kansas.
1: Right, and then we got the Red River rival. Whoa, Red River rivalry (laughs) in Norman last weekend. Texas beats OU by one. I mean. Oh, you, I went through the, I went through the statcast cast basically. Oh, you led for almost the entire game until about the last 90 seconds. Not, not saying that they were leading by double digits, but they had a four or five, six point lead, basically the entire game. And then Texas comes back, wins by one in the, in the last couple seconds. So it's good to see if you're Texas being able to come back. Um It wasn't really that tough and tough of an environment. The arena was, was pretty empty down there in Norman. So, uh, that's something to keep in mind, but it's good to see for Texas. You hate to let that fall through your grasp if you're OU, but um it's also yeah, good to when, see that, that they're it's good to see that win. they're
0: playing hard. Yeah, that's one you want to win if you're OU because it's so difficult. Um and I think the I think the metric for a lot of these um middle of the middle I don't want to say middle of the road middle of the road in the Big Twelve could be First or second, and most other conferences across the country. But, uh, I think the target win total for these middle, of the pack, Big 12 teams is, is, uh, is that nine, nine wins, uh, nine conference wins, which puts you at 500. That, that will, you know, I obviously can't guarantee that, but 95% that gets you into the NCAA tournament. Um, and so, I mean, you're talking, you only get nine home games. You want, you want to win as many home games as you can. Especially in college basketball, being how tough it is to going the road, uh, and and the nature of how that one came down to the wire. That's 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 a tough
1: loss for a U. Right. And then Iowa State beat Baylor by 15. Now, this one was an aim, so Iowa State has a very good home crowd in basketball and football. Um, but beating Baylor by 15 is a really, really good win. Um unexpected blowout, but i at this point nobody should be sleeping on Iowa State at all no
0: Iowa yeah Iowa state the Hilton magic whatever <laughs> however they refer to it as is uh you know it's it's kind of real they've got a they've got a great home crowd up there and it is so difficult to go on the road in Ames uh and win a college basketball game or you know football game for that matter too um yeah I was say is is rolling in football um but yeah so a good win by Iowa State and um yeah Baylor uh Baylor struggled this week so we we'll, and and we'll get to that more in a second.
1: Yep. TCU beat Texas Tech by 6. Honestly, it's kind of kind of an expected win. That's that's really what we picked. Um Kansas State beats West Virginia by 6. So K-State is looking pretty good. They should coming in 2 days from now when the new rankings come out, K-State will most likely be in the top 25 next week. Um, Kansas State's
0: rolling right now.
1: They are. They, they are they, playing very well.
0: And just while we're on the topic of Kansas State, we can, we'll, we'll go ahead and mention their game. Um, their game this past week, um, they went on the road and beat Texas by 13. Um, so on the road, a top 10 win. Um, And then the
1: nature in which they did it, Tanner, go ahead and and talk about (laughs) this. This game. So when you think of Big 12 basketball, obviously you think of star players, um, Kevin Durant, Buddy Heald, Trey Young, guys like that. But you also think of defense. Well, I don't think there was any defense played. It was an NBA type game. It ended up being 116 to 103 Kansas State wins. But. That's that's wild. You you don't really see anything like that in the Big Twelve ever.
0: Yeah, or just in college basketball, like that amount of points is really unheard of. The rules, the rules in college basketball, the the spacing rules, there is the no, um, the no defensive three seconds. It it is so difficult to um, to score that amount of points in a college basketball game. Um the rules are designed in favor of the defense. Um and yeah, just very impressive what Kansas State was able to do.
1: Yep. Uh Kansas beats Texas Tech by three again. So tech has had their their start to the conference season has not been great, but they're 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 playing teams close, but obviously Kansas is Kansas and they're gonna they're gonna do what they normally do. They're gonna win games. They're gonna win games close they might blow out a couple of teams but uh they they're rolling as well um there's there's a lot a lot of good things going on in the sunflower state basketball wise this year
0: and then Oklahoma State beats West Virginia and Stillwater this week by 7 um West Virginia starts off uh conference play 0 and 2 so not not what you want to see uh, if you're West Virginia but Oklahoma State a nice bounce back win after the disappointing um, last second loss in uh, Lawrence.
1: Right. And this is this, this game, TCU versus Baylor, the Holy Wars. Once again, Um, it was a pretty, pretty interesting game. So TCU basically trailed the whole game. Um, Baylor at one point had, I think over a 15 point lead. I think it was 17. Um, But yeah, TCU basically trailed the whole game and then Mike Miles Jr. pulled him back in. I think he went for over thirty in that game. It was it was a fun game to watch, that's for sure. Um but it's good to see if you're TCU. Baylor has been struggling a little bit. There they also started their um they also started their Big Twelve conference play pretty pretty poorly, but I'm sure they'll get a bounce back.
0: And then lastly, Iowa State beats OU by three. So um again just Rinse and repeat for Iowa State. Um, That's uh, a um, it's a really quality program, and then and then again just a just a good win and uh, OU uh, two very close and tough losses to start Big Twelve play for them. So they they also fall to zero and two on the year.
1: Yep, and then we're gonna there's a lot of games uh, this upcoming week, and Greg and I are going to go through and pick them. We're going to pick them pretty quick. I know we're probably we're running a little bit long on time. But Saturday, January seventh, that'll be that's today. Uh, Texas at Oklahoma State. Who do you got, Greg?
0: You know, I'm going to take Oklahoma State. A um, little bit of a homer pick there, a little emotional, but uh, I like Oklahoma State. I think they've been playing well. The only, uh, the only thing to watch out for in this game is uh, Musa Tuite, Oklahoma State's uh, seven footer at center, uh, won't be available. Um, so honestly, probably all the more reason for me to pick Texas, but I'm going to stick with the folks.
1: Yep, I'm going with Oklahoma State as well. Um, Iowa State at TCU also today. Uh, I think I got TCU in this one. Greg, who do you got?
0: That's a tough game. Uh, Iowa State's been rolling like we just talked about. Um, I will take TCU as well, Tanner. And not really too much rhyme or reason other than uh, TCU. Uh, TCU gets this one at home. Uh, I, assuming TCU wins this one, Iowa State TCU probably split their uh, – split their um, series
1: this year. Yep, I'm with you there. Uh, Kansas at West Virginia. I have Kansas in this one. They've just been rolling. West Virginia started off well, lost Oklahoma State, but I'm going to go with Kansas in this one.
0: I will, again, uh, make the same pick as you. I'll also go with Kansas, but if you're West Virginia, this is a game that would make starting off 0-2 in conference play. Um, that would, it would This would flip the tides big
1: time. This is a huge game for them. Right. And then we also got Kansas State at Baylor. I'm gonna go with Baylor. This one's at home. I know they just lost to TCU at home, but I think that this will be a good bounce back win for them, even though K State has been rolling.
0: I am going to take Kansas State because of exactly what she said. They've been rolling. They've got the hot hand. Um, if they can if they could even get close the way they shot against Texas this past week, I think they could uh, I think they can take Baylor down and the uh Sunflower State continues to stay rock solid in basketball.
1: <laughs> yep. And then we got Oklahoma at Tech. Uh I think Tech Tech has lost two pretty close games to start off conference play, but they're at home today. They got OU OU's been struggling as well. I'm going to go with Tech.
0: Both of these teams desperately need a conference win. Um, I will take Tech as well. Both OU and Tech have lost their first two conference games in a very close manner. Um yeah, Tech uh Home team, so I'll I'll give them the edge. They've got a really good crowd um, down there in Lubbock, so I'll take that.
1: Yep, and then this upcoming Tuesday, January 10th, we got Oklahoma State at Kansas State. I'm going to have to go with Oklahoma State. This one might be more of a homer pick than anything else. Kansas State has been rolling, like I said before, but I'm going to go with Oklahoma State here.
0: I am going to take Kansas State. Um, Yeah, like you said, they've been rolling, um, and again, it's – I, I always go back to you know <laughs> who, especially in the Big Twelve, it's who's the home team that I feel like that just gives like a five or six point edge. No matter what, um, no matter what school it is, I'll take Kansas State. Uh,
1: we got Texas Texas Tech at Iowa State. Like Greg and I have been talking about this whole podcast, Iowa State at home was dangerous, so I'm gonna go with Iowa State as well.
0: I will also. Uh, I will. Also pick Iowa <laughs>
1: State. Man, Greg, you're just copying me a lot today. It's well, um, only because you're going first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we got OU at Kansas to finish out the games on Tuesday. I'm going to take Kansas. I mean, it's it's really hard to win at Fog Allen. So,
0: I guess in picking this, we're picking OU to start off 0 and four on conference play. That would be that would be really really bad for them. They have two tough ones coming up with uh, at Texas Tech today and then uh, at Fog Allen uh, this week. That's tough. Uh, I think OU will start off 0 four. I'm going to take Kansas as well.
1: Yeah, I think they'll bounce back eventually, but this this first stretch is pretty tough. They got some really tough teams to begin with. And then Wednesday, January 11th, we have Baylor at West Virginia. I'm going to take West Virginia on this one, home team. Um even though Baylor has been playing better than they, than West Virginia has, I'm still going to go with West Virginia with West Virginia on this one.
0: You know, I had um I I I honestly was 50-50 on this. Um, and honestly, more so because we've been picking very similar. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Baylor. I will take Baylor on the road to West Virginia, and again, that's uh, that it. That would be me picking West Virginia also to start off 0-4. So um, <laughs> not
1: not
0: not good if uh, if they uh, or if I'm if I'm
1: right. Yep, yep. They'll they'll also bounce back. Bob Huggins is a great coach, so I'm not I'm not too worried about them if they do go 0-4. But that's all right. And then, finally, our last game of the week, we got TCU at Texas. I'm going to have to go with Texas on this one. Despite all the controversy, um, if they lose at Oklahoma State today, um, I think that they're still going to be pretty solid um, against TCU this upcoming week.
0: I'll take Texas as well. This will be a really good game, though, and and I'll be looking forward to
1: watching it. Yep, yep. And so, last week with the games that we picked, Greg and I both went 3-2, so hopefully that – that gets a little better um, as the season progresses, but um, let's. I'm going to go through and r- run through the uh, the top 25 rankings with the Big 12 teams. So we have Kansas at three, Texas at six, which will probably drop next week uh, because of their loss to Kansas State. TCU at 17, Baylor at 19, which will also probably drop because of their loss to loss to TCU and Iowa State at 25. Um, I'd have to imagine that Kansas State will be. We'll be in the top twenty-five next week because of their two really good wins. But yeah, we'll have to see what happens. Um, Greg, is there anything else that you want to mention before we hop off today?
0: Uh, go Horn Frogs. That's uh, <laughs> that's all I got to mention. The uh, championship Monday. I hope it's a good game. Um, hope TCU represents continues to represent. Not going to pretend that they haven't represented well, even if they lose on Monday. So, uh, hope TCU pulls it out, and uh, we'll be looking forward to. Uh, we looking forward to our podcast next week Tanner I know we have gone over time um to, at least over the time that we usually do but do you want to briefly mention uh what we will be uh talking about next week
1: yeah so we'll be obviously we'll be covering covering the championship game we'll be covering uh basketball um uh, but next week we're actually going to have our first guest on the podcast uh he is one of my really good friends he has many many honors to his name, which we'll list out next week. But my friend Michael Zeeman, uh, running back for Colorado School of Mines, we're really excited to have him on the podcast next week, and we're just gonna we're just gonna talk to him about his journey and see what see what happens. But yeah, we're really excited it's to have gonna, him. It's on. Gonna,
0: it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. Hopefully, he's the first of many. And uh, like you said, uh, many many accolades. But uh, Colorado School of Mines, most people wouldn't know, but uh, D two runner ups this year. Um, so, uh, fell short in the national championship and I'm sure we will, uh, I'm sure we'll, uh, at least briefly touch on that next week.
1: Yep. So we're excited to have them on the podcast. Uh, once again, if anybody has any questions, comments, concerns, cries of anguish, uh, <laughs> anything that you guys would like us to touch on or talk about or change the way we do things, please reach out to us. Uh, our Twitter and Instagram handles are at around the 12 and in between that and the 12 there's an underscore we'll have that link in the description but yeah thank you for listening to us today we appreciate your time uh we love you goodbye